Let's go to God's Word this morning, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We started a series a few weeks ago in this letter that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Corinth. And just to kind of give you a little background in case this is the first time you, you're here, um, Paul writes this letter because the church at Corinth had gotten off track. They had become corrupted by their surroundings. And so in chapter 1, he starts out by reminding them of who they are. They're called to be holy. They're saints. They've been called into fellowship or likeness with Jesus Christ. They've been called to glorify God. That's the summary of chapter 1. Then in chapter 2, he reminds them to get back to the fundamentals. The fundamentals are simply this. The power of God. you got to depend on the power of God, which is the gospel. He talks about when he came to them, he knew nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said you need to rely on the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of this world. You need to rely on the Holy Spirit of God. And so this morning, I want us to read just one verse in this chapter, and then we're going to work our way around that verse. And this verse will be like the centerpiece of this chapter. And good Lord willing, we'll get through this chapter this morning. And that verse is verse number 16. I believe this is the centerpiece of this chapter that Paul works around. And let's look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. And I put some parentheses in this to kind of help you understand this better, uh, what it is saying originally in the Greek, okay? So let's uh, look at verse 16. It says, he asked this question, do you, and he's talking to individuals there, do you individually... Not know that you are all of you, and so this is corporately, okay, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so he's asking the church, the body at Corinth, this I guess it would be a, uh, a question that don't really deserve an answer. We should know the answer to this. And so it's like a reminder, do you not realize, do you not remember that you individually are part of the temple corporately as a group of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so I want to work around that verse this morning because when you look at this chapter, as I was studying this this week, I believe there's three analogies that Paul uses when, he, uh, when, when he's talking about the church corporately, the local church. And remember now, he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth that is to be read to them because they have gotten off track they have become corrupted by the world, and he's trying to bring some things back to their remembrance. That's the reason why in chapter 1, he wants to remind them of who they are in Christ Jesus. And in chapter 2, he wants to remind them of the fundamentals of what they've been called to do, of what they need to be about the gospel, the wisdom of God, the Spirit of God. And here in chapter 3, I believe we can see three analogies that Paul uses for this church to kind of help get them back on the right track. And so let's read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll talk about the first one he mentions here. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, 
for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able. He says, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and your translation may say something like carnal, and are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Paulus, are you not mere men? And I believe if, I, if we look at this right, we can see the first analogy that Paul draws from him because I don't know if I'm OCD, if you would call it that, but I'm going to use uh, three B's this morning, okay, uh, to kind of help us understand this. The first analogy that Paul compares the church to is an analogy of what I would call biology. Okay, now stay with me for a second, okay? Took me a while to get this. Biology is the study of life, okay, and the growth of life. Now, Paul compares the church to biology in that this, the goal of life is for us to mature. Okay? It's for us to uh, to mature. Now, how I can get this is if you look in these four verses, Paul talks about infants and he talks about men. Okay? He talks about babies. He says some of you are babies in Christ and some of you are mature in Christ. You become a spiritual man or spiritual woman. Now listen, there is nothing wrong with being a baby when you're a baby. Okay? But the problem is if you remain a baby. Okay? If you are still... 20 years old and you got to have a pacifier, something is wrong, all right? If you're, still, if you're 40 years old and you still got to be entertained in God's house, something is wrong, okay? And so Paul is talking to people who are stuck in immaturity and they have not grown in their faith. They are still carnal. They are still acting just like the world. And so are there carnal Christians? I believe we can see this from this verse, but let me say this where I'll disagree. I don't believe you can remain carnal. You may get to that stage at point of your life, but God won't allow you to stay in carnality. Because, first of all, it damages his kingdom's reputation. And we're going to see this in chapter 11, I think, when we see where these people come to church and they're getting drunk and they're misusing communion. And Paul's going to say this to this church. He says, for this reason, many of you are sick. Some have even died because of what they are doing in God's house. And so Paul is saying that the goal of the church is maturity. The church, the local body, is what helps us grow up 
in the faith. See, God has not only called us to grow, but he has also provided all the conditions and powers that is needed for growth. Now, let's leave chapter 3 here and go to Ephesians chapter 4, okay? Let's just do a little Bible study this morning, okay? In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of, the ser- of service, to the building up the body of Christ. Why does Paul give us pastors? Why does Paul give us Sunday school teachers? Why does Paul, why, why, excuse me, not, not Paul, but why does God give us those things? It's so that the body can grow up, so that the body can mature and become everything it needs to be in Christ Jesus. He continues on. Look, he says, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And he says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. In other words, when you are a fully mature Christian, you can judge things. And you can see through the craftiness, and you can see through the scheming. So how do we grow? Let me give you three quick things here in our biology analogy. This is how you grow. First thing you do is you show up. I'm going to say that again. This is a holiday weekend. Those that need to hear this not here this weekend. How do you grow? You show up to church. There's a reason why he tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. Do you realize that when we, the body of Christ, shut down church 18, 19, 20 months ago, we shut down, most churches did for about, two months or maybe three months. I think it was about two months. And you realize a lot of people that were not mature in their faith, they got out of the habit of meeting together in God's house. And now in order for me to see them, I got to go to Dollar General. Come on now. I got to go to Lowe's. I mean, I don't even have to go to hospitals anymore. I just make my pastoral visits at Lowe's. Just go sit there and I can see them come in the door. <laughs> come on now. But if you want to grow in your spiritual development, you've got to show up. It's like the, the story tells of the man who joined the gym. And he signed up for a one-year membership And then after a year, he came back and said, I would like to cancel my membership. And they said, why? He said, because I'm not seeing the results. And she said, how many times have you been here? She said, I've never been here. 
Okay? Some people think just because they got their name on the roll, that gets them into heaven. But you can have your name on the roll and still go to hell. And so if you want to grow in your faith, you just simply this. I understand some people work. I understand that. But I'm here to tell you, listen, we got also church on Wednesday nights. Right? And you realize, I know we got people here at this church, the only time they can come is on Wednesday nights. But you know what they do? They come on Wednesday nights. They show up. And what do they get? They get the Word of God. And so you got to show up. And then when you show up, you got to eat up. Okay? Do you realize in order for your physical body to grow, you have got to get nutrients, nourishment in those bodies, right? And guess what? In order for you to grow in your faith, you've got to get the Word of God inside of you. That's the reason why Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 4, He said, man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You are a spiritual being, and you need spiritual food. Job said this about his word. He said, I've esteemed your words or treasured the words of your mouth more necessary than my food. Now listen, i got no problem feeding myself. I'll make sure I eat every day. I, you don't have to call me and check and say, Rodney, have you ate anything today? I promise you, I probably got something in my mouth when you call me. Okay. And we need to have the same attitude toward the Word of God. Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and 2, he says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We are to grow up. We are to show up. We are to eat up. And if you will show up, if you'll eat up, guess what you'll do? You will just naturally grow up. You'll just naturally grow up. Go back to Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. He says, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. He says, verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies according to the power work, proper working of each individual part causes growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is how we grow in Christ Jesus. We show up as a body. We show up as a community. We hear the word of God preached. We sing praises to God. We gather around and pray for one another. And you know what we do? We will grow up in respect to our salvation. And we will no longer be babies, but we will become mature adults in Christ Jesus. So he says the church is like a body. The goal is maturity for all of us. Now listen, when you're first saved, you're not going to be a mature Christian. Okay? But that's not the end of it. You should grow up 
You should grow in grace. We love that. But you also should grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's move to the next analogy, he says. And this is found in verse 5 through 9. He says, what then is Apollos? Remember, Apollos was the second pastor of this church. Paul was the first. And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but it is God who causes the growth. Now who who plants and who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And then look what he says here. We'll stop it before we get that last two words of, the, of, the last, of this verse 9. He says, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. I had to think long and hard about a B word for this, because I got biology. I came up with this, botany. What is botany? It's the study of plants. What does Paul compare the church to here? He compares it to like a field, like a field. And what is the goal? What is the goal? Of a field. What is the goal of plants? It is simply this it is to bear fruit. It's to bear fruit. And there's three main images that we can get from this field, and it's simply this God wants His church, first and foremost, to be fruitful. Okay? To be fruitful, to bear spiritual fruit. And when we got to realize this, there's diversity in ministry. Everybody has a different part to play. Paul says that I laid the foundation. Paul says I planted. Paul says Apollos watered. But it was God that gave the increase. And so there's one that tills the soil. There's one that plants the seed. There's one that kind of fertilizes the seed. He said, but the one that gives the increase is God Almighty. And what I'm saying is this. Listen, everybody in here, and he's going to go with this in further detail in chapter 12. Everybody in here has a different part to play in the kingdom of God. Okay? We don't all do the same thing. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same talents. One waters, one plants, but it's God that gives the increase. And so he that waters is no better than he that plants. He that plants is no better than he that tills the soil. It takes all of them together in order for the plant to grow to produce fruit. And it is simply God is the one that gives the increase. Everybody has a job to do. Now, the church has invaded the world this last year. What are you saying? Because when I go out into the world, they can't find any workers. <laughs> right? Nobody wants to work. And unfortunately... That's how it has been in the body of Christ. 
Used to, we would hire a preacher and say, all right, preacher, do it all. We'll see you Sunday. And if you got a one-man show, you're not going to have a good show. Just like if you got a one-man band, you're not going to have a good band. Everybody in here has a part to play in the kingdom of God. You've got certain gifts. You've got certain talents that other people don't have. And the problem is this, is we've got people because no one that is supposed to be doing that job is stepping up doing that job. And so we got to get, we got to get people in there that's not talented, not spiritually gifted in an area, and they're in there trying to do that, and they're frustrated, and it's because the one that's watering is not watering. The one that's planting is not planting. The one that's supposed to till is not tilling. And until we as a church realize that we're not here to be consumers, Most people nowadays, they pick their church based on consumerism. In other words, they say this, what can this church offer me? What can it offer my family? If it can offer me something that I want, I will go there. We don't look at it and say, what does this church need? Does it fit my gifts? Does it fit my talents? Does it fit my abilities? What can I do to help the body of Christ? Is this okay? And so, Paul says here, I planted, Apollos watered, but it is God that gives the increase. In other words, also you got to realize this. There is no room for pride in ministry because unless God does it, it's not going to get done. See, we like to give credit to people about something that we see of fruitful bearing, but see, you don't see who planted. You don't see who watered. But it wasn't that person. It was only God that gave the increase. And so he that plants is no better than he that waters. He that waters is no better than he that plants. We've all got a job to do, but only God can give fruit. Only God can save souls. And so he says the church is just like a plant. It's just like a field and the goal is fruitfulness, and we've all got a part to play in the body of Christ. So let's move to the next one. So we looked at biology, botany, plants, fields. This next one's easy. It jumps right out at you. He says in verse 9c, he says, we are God's building. It's like biology. It's like botany, it's like a building. This church is like a building. Look what he says now, verse 10 through 11. He says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Now Paul started this church. And another is building on it. Apollo succeeded him. 
But each man should be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying there is the church has got to be built on the right foundation. And what is the right foundation? It is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Paul would say in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so every church has got to be built on Jesus Christ and only on him. A church may be successful for a little while, but if it is not founded on Christ, it will not last. He's saying, church, you don't need to build on the worldly wisdom and the ways of this world you need to build on Jesus Christ because the Corinthians, they were emphasizing people instead of Christ. They were more interested in Apollos and Peter and Paul instead of Christ. And we've seen this before in, 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 in our day nowadays. We've seen churches being built on famous preachers. We've seen churches try to build on special methods. We've seen churches that are trying to be built on great music. We've seen churches being built on healing, emphasizing only healing. We've seen them emphasize other things. We've tried to make it the business model, tried to make it the marketing model, and said, how can we use the business model to the church? How can we get people into the church using worldly ways? We'll bring a athlete in or, or somebody famous and trying to draw a crowd and all we've done is draw a crowd there for that athlete, for that famous person but yet when they're gone, guess what? The people are gone and you can't build a church on the things of this world if it's going to stand. It's got to be built on Jesus Christ and it's the same way with your life. You better build your life on Jesus Christ. You better not build it in Washington. You better not build it in politics. You better not build it on personalities. It can only be built on Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that's going to stand the test of time is when a church is built on Jesus Christ and that goes for our life you better build everything on Christ a while back I was approached by a couple and I knew that it was one of two M's they were wanting they want money, or they want to get married. Well, this one wanted to get married. And marriage is something we should do. But I stopped them. I said, listen, first question I got for you is this. I don't mind marrying you. I said, are you in church anywhere? 
to know. Are you a Christian? You say, why do you ask that? How many knows that marriage is tough enough even when you're a Christian? Right? It's, 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 it's not easy. You've got to work at it. And what I told him, I said, listen, if all you want to do is get you a piece of paper to say you're married, you can go to the courthouse and you can fix that tomorrow. If that's all you want. I said, but marriage is a holy covenant between the two of you and God Almighty. And I said, if you, and they was talk, they're talking about getting married in the next year or so. I said, if you'll get in church, if you'll get right with God, I'll be more than happy to perform that ceremony. I said, but if all you want is a piece of paper and you're going to go and you're going to try to do it the world's way, up there it is. You must say, that may be harsh, but I'm just saying, listen. If it's not built on Jesus Christ, it's not going to stand. It's not going to stand. It's hard enough when it is because the storms always come and you got to build everything on Jesus Christ because the winds are coming, the rains are coming, the floods are coming, and if it's not built on God's Word, if it's not built on Jesus Christ, it's not going to last. And so what Paul is telling this church is, listen, you better build the church on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ and not personalities, not people, not methods, not all those things because only something built on Christ Jesus will last. Only something. And then let's go to the, continue on here, verse 12 through 15. So he says, listen, you've got to build on the right foundation. He says, now if any man build on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will suffer or he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. What is he saying there? Not only must we build on the right foundation, Jesus Christ, but you better build with the right materials. Paul describes two opposite type of materials. He talks about gold, silver, and precious stone, or wood, hay, and stubble. See, gold, silver, and precious stone, they're permanent. They're fireproof. They're valuable. Also, they're hard to obtain. Wood, hay, and stubble are temporary. They're ordinary. They're cheap. They're easy to obtain. So Paul says when you're building church, you better use the right materials. You better not try to cut corners, try to take the easy way out. Because when it comes time, every man will stand before Jesus Christ. We're talking about Christians here in these verses. 
We're not talking about the great white throne judgment here because that's for lost people. But he's saying that every single one of us in Christ Jesus, there will come a time when we will stand before him and we will give an account for what we have done with what we've been given. And your works, they will pass through the fire. Now if your works are wood, hay, and stubble, in other words, if you built with the wrong motive, if you've cut corners, if you've done things the wrong way, if you've done things for the glory of man and just so you get a pat on the back or get a paycheck, he said that will suffer loss. It will be of no use, of no value in the kingdom of God. He said, Yo, you'll still be saved because you're not saved by work. We're saved by grace through faith as a gift of God, lest any man should boast. He said, oh, you'll be saved, but you'll have no reward for what you, your salvation. He says, but... If you've built on things such as, or built with things such as silver, gold, precious stone, it'll go through the fire and it'll stand the test of the fire and you will receive a reward for that. And that's the reason why I want to build with the right materials. You ever been to, and I'm going to try to hurry and finish this up, you ever been to a party and you didn't realize you're supposed to bring a gift or supposed to bring some food? How bad you feel? Anybody besides me? What'd you bring? I brought an appetite. You know? How are you comparing this to this? I'm saying, listen, when I get to heaven, I would hate to say, I didn't do anything for you, Lord. I got nothing to return back for what you have done for me. In church, when we build, we got to build with the right material. We got to build according to the right code, okay? And that code is going to be gold, silver, precious stone because when the fire comes, it'll stand. Now, something of wood, hay, and stubble, when the fire comes, it's going to be burned up. If you buy yourself a new manufactured home, they have those things rated for certain parts of the country. Is that not correct? And so if you live in the southeast, you've got to have it certain rated a certain way so that it will stand hurricane force winds. If you try to take one that's built for the Midwest or whatever and put it in the southeast, when, when, when the windstorm comes, it's going to blow it away. And the same thing with the church. You've got to build, the church has got to be built with the right things because when the storm is coming, and we see the storm coming right now. We see the storm of compromise coming. Are you going to compromise? Are you going to forget the scriptures and try to twist the scriptures, try to make it more appealing to this world? If you'll build, you know, the great thing about building on the Bible is this, you don't have to change your mind on anything because the Bible does not change. You don't have to say, well, this is different now. No, you build everything on the Bible. And let me say this right here. I'm not called to answer why I believe what I believe. I'm just an ambassador to tell you what the king of kings says. And whatever he says, that's what I say. And if you don't like it, you take it up with the king of kings and lord of lords. I'm just simply the messenger. And so then he says, let's, 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 let's finish up with verse 16 and 17 again. And he says it again. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Then look what he says this verse 17. He gives him a warning here. He says, if any man 
destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are. Now, listen, when he says this, temple of God here, I know your body is individually a temple there, but this is not what he's talking about. He's talking about the local church. He says, listen, if any man destroys the local church, God's going to destroy him. How do we destroy the church? We see, it all, we, we see churches close all the time, right? And it's not the fact that God's church isn't, oh, God's church will stand. But how do we destroy a local church? We destroy it by division. That's what they were doing. We destroy it when we neglect our duty. That's what they were doing. We destroy it when we live in sin and we tolerate sin. And God gives them a warning and says, listen, if you destroy the church, God will destroy you. Now, let me give you an illustration. I think I've used this one other time, but it goes good here. Before I became the youth pastor here, I worked at Milo's Restaurant Services. I didn't work at the restaurant, okay, but we delivered tea and sauce to all the Milo's restaurants in Birmingham. There was about seven or eight of them. And the company's about 11, 11 employees, only 11 employees there. So I knew Ronnie Carlton, which is Milo Carlton's son. He was now running the, the business. And so they had a cousin that lived in Dallas that wanted to open up one of their restaurants. And so, of course, people do stuff, crazy stuff for their family because they're family, right? So, okay, we're going to let you open one up out there. And when they opened that restaurant up, it wasn't just a few weeks later that the health inspectors came by. And they inspected that place. They gave them a felon grade. Now, the restaurant now has changed hands. They've sold it off, so I don't know now. But back 10 years ago, before it ever changed hands, every time, and whether you like the sauce or not, that's, that's beside the point. I'm just, don't, don't get hung up there. But here's the point. Every time before they sold it, every time when you went to one of those restaurants, you would never see a health rating below a 96. Never. Because they thought cleanliness was a reputation they had to build. You may not like their food, but when you go in there, it's going to be clean. And so when their cousin opened this restaurant up in Dallas, they had a failing health grade. And what did they do? They said, shut it down. We refuse to let our reputation be ruined by your uncleanness. How does this compare to this? God is telling this church here that if you destroy his local assembly, he will destroy you individually. That's what he's saying. It's tough, but that's what he's saying. What we got to realize is this. This church has been put in this community to be salt and to be light, not to be just like the world. And so we are called to be 
different from the world. We're called to a different standard than the world. We are called to be the body of Christ. We're here so that we can grow up in Christ Jesus, amen? Not, be, not, not, not stay babies in Christ. We're here to be fruitful. Everybody's got a job to do. You may plant, you may water, you may till the ground, but it is God that gives the fruit. This church is like a building, and it's got to be built on things of gold, of silver, of precious stone, and not of cheap things, not of easy things, because we all want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Let's finish up these verses as she's coming and playing. Verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become, a, become foolish so that he may become wise. In other words, you can't trust the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world is foolish before God, for it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. Verse 20. And again, the Lord knows the reason of the wise, that they are useless. Things just continue on verse 21 through 23. So then let no one boast in men, for all, belong, all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death all, or things present or things to come. All things belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. What is he saying there? I believe it's very simple what he's saying there, conclusion. Church, if you've got Jesus, it's all you need. All, he's all we need. He's all we need for growth. He's all we need for fruitfulness. He's all we need to stand the test of time. Do we not know we're the temple of God? Do we not realize we're part of the body of Christ? And because we're a part of the body of Christ, let's don't destroy the temple. Let's do what we're called to do to be a beacon of light in this dark world. Will you stand?